Welcome back to your favorite contracts podcast. This is Tess Wilkinson-Ryan and Dave Hoffman from the University of Pennsylvania. And today we are talking about United States for use of SUSE contracting versus Zara contracting, a 1944 restitution case. Why didn't Zara take the money and run? Let's get started. Alright, so I'm I'm pretty excited about this case in in a way that I'm hoping will come through uh, uh, for the, for the listeners. So the first thing, of course, is that the case name is not Susie versus Zara. It's United States for use of Susie Contracting Company versus Zara Contracting Company, um, which just tells you there's like a lot of stuff happening um, in the background, like what's the United States doing here. So I'll, I'll say some things about the facts, I'll say some things about the place, and then we can talk about what I think are, are actually like genuinely super great and important int- um, questions about the relationship between contract law and restitution law. This case, is, is I think unique or nearly unique to our casebook. Um, not a lot of people who have taken contracts using other casebooks are gonna have this case. Um, I will say that the case has some hard parts to it. The facts are can be a little bit rough. Um, as the casebook editor, I've now spent two cycles of casebook editing looking for replacements for this case, mostly to try to update it and take out some of the hard parts uh, to make it a little bit more modern and simple. And we've just not succeeded. Um, this is a real great unique case um and so i'm hopeful that we can do a good podcast about it although not particularly confident all right when i read so, this case i will tell you when i read this when i, when I switched case books this case blew my mind in a good way in a in a probably by by way yeah let's hear it all right so all right so we have <laughs> Okay, so SUSE um, is a subcontractor with Zara. Zara is a general contractor. We are in time in the in 1941, um, where Zara has a um, um, a contract with basically the United States to build airports. Um, airfields in, and, and this particular contract is in um, uh, Upper New York State. As it turns out, for reasons that are the case does not make clear, um, Zara decides to subcontract the actual like building of the airport um, or the airfield to SUSE. The it's it and and so therefore like Zara is left kind of with only the administration part of its contract and it's going to presumably get the difference between what it's paying Susie and what it's getting paid by the United States. It's going to be sort of its middle person profit. The work for building an airfield involves basically like you know um, grading the ground and putting down the macadam and um, and. Um, making sure that the the thing is altogether level. Susie and Zara have a subcontract, which says a bunch of things about that work. One of the things it says, um, which um, is in a footnote in the case, um, is basically that Zara is not promising Susie that the um, the the ground that they're going to excavate is of any particular type or quality. And it's not clear why that is in the contract, which is to say there's no 
other evidence in the case that like um, Zara knows something about the quality, but they have this provision in the in the contract. When I, I mean, you, I, I want to say like you have a lot of different hypotheses about why that might be. Sorry, go ahead. I was just gonna say that excavator excavation contracts in general, you can imagine, are one of the kinds of contract where the parties make some kind of they have some kind of sense that they don't know what they're going to find because the whole point is that what's happening is is happening literally below the surface right, right. so right. excavation contracts and finding stuff you didn't expect is it that sort of that's sort of actually um it, it's predictable in these kinds of yeah. contracts so it looks like they had a term that said risks listen, on you risks, risks on, on you on exactly you. Yeah. risks on you and and so but it turns out the risk happens so susie starts to excavate and it finds lots of rocks so many rocks that the excavation is difficult, the, the tools get broken, they're the kind of flinty upstate New York rocks that really just break your spirit when you're an excavator. And so um, the Susie basically asks for more money from Zara. Like, this is really hard. Did you guys know how hard this was gonna be? And Zara says, uh, look at the contract term. We definitely thought that that was gonna be a problem that you were gonna have to solve, not a problem that we were gonna have to solve. And in any event, at some point, Zara takes over from Susie, locks them out of the job site. And it's like, I've had enough of you. And they finish the job themselves. Now, everyone sues each other, um, at, which is to say, like, they, they both sort of file claims. Zara for the, um, you know, the extra work that they had to do in finishing what it thought was Susie's job. And Susie essentially for the uh, money it thinks it's owed for the work that it did. Can, can I? Yeah. The, so... Just if I understand correctly, what an odd it's Zara basically hired Susie to do work that Zara actually itself had the capacity to do. Like they are, yes. there's like an overlap in what the in their businesses. They both yes. have sort of excavated. Okay, and it, and somehow Susie has left their equipment behind. Yes, and so well, Zara's all. Yeah, in part because Zara locks them out of the site. Like, like, like literally locks them out. Literally locks them out. Thank you for your bulldozer. We'll be using that now. Okay. To, to finish this job or thank you for the compactor. Thank you for the driller. Thank you for everything. We'll now finish this job because it's by the way, wartime and the planes are about to land That's on right. this trip. Ooh, right. um, and I think there is a backstory in the case where basically Zara bids a whole bunch of different war strips or, or airplane strips during the war. Yeah. Everyone knows that during the war procurement practices are probably like not amazing. In fact, Harry Truman makes his whole career based on the fact that there's lots of waste in the early part of, uh, World War um, uh, Two, and the there's a sense that like Zara like bid this out um, without or, or got the bid from the United States without like really investigating. It was intending to have all these little subcontractors do the work. Turns out the work is harder than you would expect it to be. Zara then has these demands from the U.S. government because of course if Zara fails on the contract, it might lose all of these other bids. It might yeah. be. It might be blacklisted from all of its other sort of gravy train of bids. And, and we don't know much more, but we might have all kinds of suspicions about like how it is that you get military bids in upstate New York in the early 1940s. Um, and so Zara is capable of, but doesn't want to do the work. It comes in, takes over the work, and, and so then everyone sues each other. And then kind of like mysteriously in the casebook, for reasons that the casebook excerpts, Zara's claims against Susie are dismissed. And, and what we're left with is basically the idea that Zara wrongfully locked Susie off of the job site. And Susie gets to recover something for the work that it did. Now, the 
problem is, I mean, the, the reason why the case is like fascinating is Susie, if it tried to bring a contract claim, obviously loses. And it loses because of this provision that we talked about earlier, which is to say it took on the risk of the work being harder than they expected to be. So it's not going to bring a contract claim. It's going off contract. It's going to bring a claim under restitution for the reasonable value of the work performed, even though under contract, it would have no right to that money. Can I ask but, you? Wait, I, I, I have a clarifying question, but go ahead. Please, yeah, you know, go ahead, clarify, clarify, clarify. Yeah. When you say that, when you say that um, Susie wouldn't have a contract claim, it it's not true. I don't think that they that. I mean, Zara did breach. Yes. The so it's, so there's a there is a they can argue that Zara has breached. The issue is that they don't get any money. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. There's no, yeah, there's no regret. Great. I'm not, I'm just, it's just that this is such a, yeah. yeah. Trying to like sort of scaffold, like what kind of claim we're doing here. I find super tough in this case. I mean, they're bringing a contract claim, but it's not the kind of, it's not based on the written contract. It's not based on the contract they have. It's based on sort of this restitutionary principle, Yeah. which is to say there's been a breach. What are the damages for that breach? And the damages are reasonable value. And to which Zara says, what do you mean? How can you go off contract for the purposes of getting a recovery? But then, and, and, and sorry, just to say reasonable value. What is reasonable value? Susie says, oh, reasonable value is what the contract price would have been. And so Zara's like, uh, what are you talking about? You get to go off contract for the purposes of establishing your right to relief, but then you get to use the contract price to figure out how much damages are. Doesn't that seem like you are undoing the bargain that we, we made? And um, I mean, there, it's a very compelling, I think, argument by Zara, which is to say you have to, Zara sort of says you have to pick your poison. Either you get contract and contract damages, or you should get not contract, but you don't get to use the contract to establish your, 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 your right. Um, and what the court says um, to that is um, uh, 396. Um, it's appropriate, in especially if there's no challenging evidence by Zara, to base recovery on proper expenditures and performance and to make use of the contract in fixing the basic price. Now, the question is, why? And as I have always taught the case, the reason why says the court, is because it's not for Zara, the breacher, to get to tell us what is fair anymore. It's not for Zara, the breacher, to get to rely upon the contract in denying recovery, the contract that says that they shifted risk. Once you've breached your contract, you no longer get to use it as a shield to obligation. And I would say that that is an interesting principle, which is not going to be true in every case. So that's the setup, and I hope I hope that's relatively clear. It is, I would say, I taught this case, you know, whatever I think seven or eight years now. For the first couple of years, I taught this case. I had literally no idea what was going on. I, I wish I couldn't even tell who was Susie and who was Zara. Yes, I, I every I mean, the, I've started doing this for for most cases, but but certainly when I teach this case, I put on the board, Susie equals excavator equals plaintiff, Zara equals GC equals defendant. Like, I mean, I, just, yes. Also, because as I uh, get older, I am even more likely to just swap these wor- words in my, you know, in my head. 
I mean, it was actually a lot harder when Zara was like a sort of upscale clothing store I used to go to. I, I found that like I found it extremely. I was actually compelling. trying. I was trying to use mnemonic devices as as you were telling the backstory to be like, could I make the picture in my mind of Zara setting up, but but like the the, the clothing store. Um, right. it, it hasn't worked for me yet, but I'm but I'm gonna try. Um, yep. Can I can I ask you to clarify further because so what. Can you take us to the case text for talking about the relationship between the restitutionary award that Susie wants and the pricing in the original contract? So if I, am I, the trial court so, granted recovery. So yeah, so, so, so just to be clear, it, the restitutionary award is going to be higher, more than what they would have made under the contract. Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, so, all, right. all right. Great. So what is the relationship to the contract pricing then? So 395. So in the contract, they would have made nothing. Just to be yeah, yeah. No, I know. Yeah. yeah. So bottom of 395, in fixing the additional allowance at 30 cents per cubic yard, that would just say the, 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 ex the excavation they did that wasn't contractual, the judge relied particularly on Zara's claim to the United States, where it showed that its actual cost, like the cost that Zara yeah. charged in the contract was... 28.7 cents and two and a half cents per cubic yard um, in, in basically disposing of the material. So, yeah. And so what they're doing is they're saying we're in order to figure out what this is worth, we're going to look at Zara's contract price with the United States. Yes. And here's, so which seems sensible, right? Like, yeah. the, like yeah. you got to pick a number. Yeah, yeah. It seems sensible. Yeah. 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 But the, but the problem as I see it is Susie and Zara made a deal, a price per yard deal, yep. which was based in part on the risk shifting that they'd already embodied into the contract that they have. Yeah. And so Zara's perspective is like, why is it that we should use this contract, the contract prices? I see. The contract price between us and the United States, which doesn't have that risk provision built into it. Why should we be using anything in this contract to figure out what the value of your performance was? It, contract prices are not the same as market prices for all kinds of reasons. And it would be wrong, says Zara, to use the contract price to figure out what the value was in these circumstances because we are off contract, to which the court Says, Sorry, just to be just to, just to, it would be wrong to use the contract price between Zara and the U.S. Right? Okay. So that that piece is confusing because it's it's not that Zara, it's, Susie's not trying to claim. In fact, they don't want you to use the prices in their contract. Right. Right. Okay. So now I understand much better what you're saying. So you're saying Zara says, "Why would you attend to the price I've got with the U.S.? That price includes all kinds of other factors. Think about all the terms that affect that price." If you're thinking about the reason, the value of this work, you ought to be asking about market prices. Is that right? Uh, yes, basically. Yeah. Okay. Right. And 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 their like theoretical point is, how should we think about restitution? And their their argument is restitution. Once you're off contract, it no longer seems correct 
to have the contract be the lodestar or the sort of the, the guide yep. to help think about what the actual value is. And Susie has, um, Susie has two responses, which the court buys, basically. The first one, which I think is not like talked about a ton in the case, but which is really true is, you know what? Sarah didn't come up with anything better. Like there's no yep. better alternative that's in the evidence. Yep. And so the court, and this is like a, just a true fact about the world, which is the person who has the best evidence beats the person with no evidence a lot of the yep. time, even if the best evidence isn't very good in litigation. We're not looking for the perfect answer. We're looking for the available answer. And the, and the second argument is, and which I mentioned earlier, which is like, it just isn't, Zara doesn't get to make arguments about the sacrosanct nature of the deal that we made. The, the precisely calibrated nature of, of prices when Zara is a gosh darn breacher. Yep. You know, they're the ones who locked us out. If they hadn't locked us out, we'd be in a different situation today. And I think the case sort of, I mean, it has a lot of resonances with Britain versus Turner. So in Britain versus Turner, a real old chestnut, um, which is also in our casebook, a different place in the casebook, but worth sort of saying, Britain versus Turner is this case where you have a farmer who employs a laborer in New Hampshire in the 1800s. And one thing we know about New Hampshire it's seasonal seasonal right it, <laughs> i'm serious the work you do like it's not like you're right. producing your your harvest is real narrow right real so short season yeah so i mean which is a really important part of the case basically it's a year-long contract where the laborer is going to work for a year the laborer works from january to december i'm sorry that's all wrong. from march until december quits in december because who the hell who the heck wants to be in new hampshire in january um and the and basically so the laborer breaches their contract and then sues for restitution. I mean, yep. and says, I should get the reasonable value of my work. I and worked here for nine months. I work here for nine months. And, and the farmer's like, uh, but you breached. And so Britain's sort of the reverse party positioning of, of Susie versus Zara. But in Britain, the labor is like, you know what? I want to get the reasonable value of my labor and what's the reasonable value of my labor it turns out it's just like the contract divided into 365 pieces and i want all of the days that i worked and the court says yeah that sounds about right why in part because it's available it's a number that's available to figure out what the value is it's really hard presumably to think about what is the value of nine months labor on a year-long contract when most of the work was done in august yeah like if, if if they're a farm laborer right yep yep you know you don't you, then you have to start saying to yourself, like, how much do we think it, how hard is it to go milk the cows in January? Well, it's really hard. It's pretty but unpleasant. Like, it's pretty unpleasant. And so maybe the farmer wanted that and they were yep. really shooting for that. But like, actually, maybe the agricultural yep. bringing in the, the yep. wheat in, you know, so yep. because all those questions are hard, the court doesn't want to take them on and just uses the contract price. And so Britain versus Turner in this case are basically illustrations how restitution, even though it talks about fairness, is often going to be linked pretty tightly to the contract itself. And I think that's cool. I mean, I think it's a really cool, it's, it's cool because in part it's about like how hard proof is and how courts want convenient answers. And, and, and in part because the, the dominance of, of the, the deal that you have, even though you're not really proceeding on it, is just an interesting sociological 
thing to think about. So I have, this is, this is really uh, broadening my view of this case, um, in part because I have spent most of my emotional energy, frankly, on this case, being like, what? <laughs> Why do you get to just, because, so you're, de you're describing what you, of this sort of interesting, but much more um, nuanced problem issue of how you use contract valuation to think about the restitutionary award. But let's not forget the contract that you just threw out to get there, right? So the original contract between Susie and Zara definitely says that Susie is the one on the line for too much clay in the soil. Right. The clay, you know, clay being hard to, whatever, harder okay. to excavate. <laughs> Don't say that. It's not a faculty workshop. Could you unpack that? <laughs> Wanna, we just we I, miss them so much. <laughs> I was I was listening to our Nanakuli conversation, which um, which many of you will listen to a little bit later. Also has paving, yeah, lots of paving. paving. Turns out, like I, whether we were doing it on purpose or not, there was like a billion puns about the layers in the case. <laughs> <laughs> You've got like, the you have the crushed rock layer. <laughs> <laughs> you have the bitumen layer. <laughs> That's exactly right. Now, I think it said something in the case like, you know, at one level of this case, and then at the, su at the surface level, here's this other yeah. thing. So here, if we could just dig into the case a little bit, what were you saying? <laughs> it's, so Zara basically is doing all this work That's, that they, they now understand they have misbid. I'm sorry, uh, Susie. Susie is doing all this work that they now understand they have misbid. So embarrassing. <laughs> so embarrassing. <laughs> Maybe we need to like have like a therapy session about why you can't keep these these parties like name straight. Like, tell me, did you ever know a Zara growing up? Is that what happened here? I have owned a Zara blazer in the past. Is that, yeah. I had like one amazing Zara shirt from like the early or mid two thousands that I wore until it died and. That was, those are great. That was a great shirt. <laughs> oh, wait. I think that they went... Well, okay. They probably did go bankrupt. Yeah. 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 So, okay. So, Susie is thinking to themselves, I've really misbid this work, yeah, right? We, yep. we are yep. getting... We're, and they do... And they actually do... Even though they don't complete the project, they actually end up losing... It. On the original terms, they're losing money anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And Although, like, it's kind of on them. I mean... Who doesn't know that like upstate New York has like clay, rocky soil? Like, wouldn't it's you? True. Have it's near. It's near Binghamton. Exactly. Place well known for its rocky soil. Yes. Yes. I have no sympathy for these people. For Susie. None. For Susie. I don't have sympathy for any of these people. No, well, they're all. But it's extremely dead. confusing why it is that upon the dissolution of this relationship. Susie is going to get to get paid way more money than even at the time they were doing the work they thought they would get for it, right? Because at this, like after the first couple of days of excavating, they've already turned, they've already turned through, they're already, it's, this is already costing them money, basically. Yeah. Yeah. But they keep going because that's the, that's the deal into the contract. And aren't the incentives here funky? Because doesn't Susie sort of have a, an incentive now to like, needle Zara until Zara finally throws up their hands and breaches. Yeah. So what the heck? 
I mean, 394 to 395, Zara is basically making this argument. They're shouting from the rooftops, like, how can you possibly get restitution when the yeah. contract explicitly prohibits you? I mean, it, it is, it, right. it seems and, contradicted. And the part, and so I guess one thing I'm, that, that feels like under excavated, ha ha ha, in this case, I didn't even think that it was, but now it's at the top of mind, right? The, is the party's incentive, is how all this thinks about incentives, the party, including the, what choices the parties are making as they move along in the contract. And I will say that my experience speak, um, in, in um, like workshops with a lot of restitution scholars is one of profound um, uh, gratitude that someone is thinking so seriously about something that I truly does not, do not have intuitions about. But they're not talking about, about, a lot about incentives in those yeah in those cases, in those situations, right? That's typically sort of like real serious common law folks who are th like private law theory people talking about restitution. Stephen Smith, Nate Oman. Yes. So they have, so if I read their, if I read them correctly, it's not a lot, it, restitution has a, is a lot about sort of ex post, how do you make things right? As opposed to the incentives to the parties as they move through the deal or they make the deal. And they here- They just don't seem to care. They, they, I mean, they, they, the, the restitution people do not seem to care at all about the long-term consequences <laughs> of their crazy set of rules. I am not going to troll <laughs> with you. And you can, Nate, when you email Dave, do not CC me. How about that? I am totally gonna forward Nate's email to you. And when she says that we have mischaracterized <laughs> The five-century-long tradition it's of so equity. True. It's true. What I tell my students really about restitution is there are whole books on this. And <laughs> whole books on this. There's just, a whole restatement on a restitution. Whole restatement just on restitution. And so you should get extremely comfortable with the fact that you don't understand it. That all you get is a teeny little glimpse such that you might be able to recognize it when you see it. Are you talking to your students or to yourself when you make that statement? <laughs> What, because, it makes but, me super nervous that on Twitter we have like a bunch of British academics oh, following it's terrible. us. Yes, I know. And they're and so, like super excited about our podcast. If you're listening like, to this, yeah, yeah, you should just be, you should feel, like, I hope you feel really, like you use this as an opportunity for self-esteem, for downward comparison. Yes. There's like this amazing insurance law professor in England who, who, who follows me and who seems really excited about the podcast. That guy is going to be embarrassed by what he's yes. listening to right now. Vicarious embarrassed, embarrassment. Hopefully embarrassed for us, not for himself. <laughs> no, for sure. But okay, but, but here is my point. Yeah. yeah. What Zara is breaching. Allegedly. <laughs> so Zara is breaching, presumably with some sense of what the consequences of that breach are going to be. Unless, it, unless the whole business is, is so disorganized that nobody is even thinking clearly and that they're just fighting with each other. That's also I, possible. I mean, like my view is like Zara gets a call from like the general of the army who says, we are about to land the B-52s at your dumb airport and it's not done. Yep. And Zara's like, we are trying really hard, but it turns out there's just a lot of clay. And, and the general's like, don't bring me excuses, get it done. So they lock Susie out, who's dragging their feet because yep. Susie's not getting paid and they finish it. And then all of a sudden, the court gets up saying on 395, well, now that you're the breacher, you can no longer rely on the contract right. to deny that it's recovery, right. which 
I mean, if I understand yeah. anything about restitution, it's supposed to be about fairness. And how is it fair? How is it equitable to to allow the parties to remake, to allow Susie to get the benefit of this work when the the, the payment for the work, right. when it presumably knew too yeah. that it was doing so atextually or outside we're of right. the contract. We're leaning very heavily here on a sort of under-described view of the breach itself. Yes. Right? So mm -hmm. you can imagine, I don't teach this anymore, but I used to teach these, um, um, these cases about when, what counts as breach so in the anticipatory repudiation oh, section. Yeah, yeah. I used yeah, to teach yeah. these cases about the kinds of things you would do that count as breach. And basically what, what kinds of stuff you might do that the other party is allowed to be so nervous that they're like, oh, we're out. Like, mm -hmm. you're acting so weird that we don't want to be in this deal anymore, right? And, you, right. and to what extent you can ask for assurances. Yep. This could kind of be that kind of, if you had the facts here, you'd guess this is that kind of case, right? Where Susie says, I want, I, exactly, you should tell them. Where Susie says, I want more money. And Zara says, wait a minute, what are you telling me? Are you telling me that you might not complete this work? Because right. if so... I got, we are, we are on a deadline, literal, you know, right. whatever, then what, not, what's the, the Air Force is literally trying to land planes here. You have got to be on board. No? Can I point out there is no Air Force in 1931? Darn it. Isn't, isn't I, it just I, part of the Army still? Well, I, you know, I don't know that. I don't, I, I don't know that either. Well, apparently you do. I when did the Air it. Force start? Darn it, in 47, fine, you're right. <laughs> um, I, I, I'd say the thing that, it, so when we get to material breach in the book, which is of course sort of a cousin to this anticipatory repudiation conversation, the fact that Susie is trying to do the work is going to be a pretty good fact for it. You know, it, it, it yeah. and they're trying to hold the deal together. It's going to be harder for Zara to say that, that Susie's not ready to perform. The thing that makes this the most hard for me, truly the most hard, if, if you look in the footnote, the language in this risk allocation is very clear and we agree on it. But then there's another sentence. A subcontractor agrees that it will make no claim against the contractor for damages in the event that during the progress of the work, the subcontractor encounters subsurface and or latent conditions at the site materially different from those shown on the drawings. No claim. And one way to read this case is you shouldn't even get to give, make a restitutionary claim that this is a separate promise from the set of promises that are being made in the contract. And even if Zara breached the overall contract, I mean, it would be sort of like saying, what if the contract contained an arbitration clause and one party breaches the contract, but then wants to go to arbitration? Would we say that the arbitration clause is not enforceable because they've breached? No, of course, these are separate parts of the relationship you can breach one but have other parts of the contract survive and the thing that feels complex about this case is the court basically says if you're out you're out if, if you're not in contract land nothing but the contract matters but then it says but actually secretly the contract still matters not that contract though, the other contract yeah well the, the relationship still matters relationship to who the, the Zara Susie United States relationship. 
I don't know that the court is saying that the Susie part of that triangle still matters. I don't, I can't, I, I, I can't see it. Or I guess I'm, okay. yeah, or, or it makes me feel, it makes me feel confused or uneasy. Um, I, so maybe my question is like, does, is this, when you use that arbitration example, I'm sort of, it's pretty interesting because one of my unin, sort of uninformed intuitions might be that restitution is different. Interesting. Okay. That restitution maybe is so as a, whereas whereas normally we think about these clauses as being essentially like severable or you know modular pieces of a deal, right? That maybe the reason that restitution has its own casebook, I mean, sorry, its own restatement, is because <laughs> it's, its own whole course. It's called restitution. <laughs> Who's ever taken that course? I mean, I'm sure people do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, Nate Oman. I know that you're yeah. listening and you're like, you're, you're thinking to yourself, my Nate Oman's a professor at William Mary, he's a friend of ours who teaches restitution, he's a great, a great scholar of contract. And I'm sure he's sitting there being like, you literally are saying bad things about a course you don't know anything about. <laughs> Nothing about. You've I mean, never taken this course, you've never taught this course, you've never thought deeply about this issue, and yet no. here you are still talking. Yeah, <laughs> like, this is exactly what's wrong with this country today. It's like people who don't know what they're talking about just talking about restitution. Like I said, we know anything about it. There's like some Queen's be- barrister. <laughs> there's such a thing as a Queen's barrister being like, don't you realize we have 900 years of case law that you guys just are not focused on at all? But to be fair, I don't think that separates us very far from the court. I think the court well, actually- the students, we're, no, we're, is- we're, not very, we're very close to the students here, I think. Indeed, indeed. Yes. My point is- Maybe that's not true about their arbitration clauses. Maybe restitution is so special that basically it is this weird, like, exploded all, new world, no more contracts. That's, yeah. I think that's the point of the case. I, I mean, mean, if I was, if I was going to say, like, why is this case in this case book is because the, you, you really just have to accept that restitution somehow is going to get you off of a contract track Although the contract damages, and I hear what you're saying, that it's not the exact same contract, but you can use affiliated contract pricing, which might not be really perfect to get the damages for restitution, even if you're purportedly avoiding the contract risk allocation for the purposes of liability. And as it turns out, like in my private consulting part of my job Hmm. life, I've had a couple cases like this. I actually think that there are lots, many commercial disputes in which off-contract forms of remedy end up being kind of grist for litigation. I think that this is, they don't often, they don't often or usually end up as opinions, but like lots of construction contracts have unexpected things that happen. And what the case suggests is if there's, if you're in breach of those construction contracts, you might be liable a contractually for reasonable value of your counterparty's performance, even though you tried to fix that in the contract itself. And, you know, I think law students sometimes are like, this seems like it produces lots of mischief because it allows. I I say that. Yeah. Well, I say it too. Yeah. Um, Great. Um, and you start saying like, what about the incentive effects? And then I just, I, I agree with you. Like it does, just doesn't seem like the restitutionary remedy cares that much about, rest, about the, 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 the incentive effects or the downstream effects. And 
what's hard about that is like, well, then what does it care about? Just making it right. And if it's just making it right, I, I'm, I'm not satisfied. Yeah. Because I yep. thought that Susie knew it. Like yep. Susie That's knew. Right. If it's about making it right, it feels really weird to ignore the contract, which is the only reason anyone here is liable for anything. Right. Because that's part of what is defining what's right is what they thought was happening when they, what they, what they think, what they sent it to the, the, I mean, just to be, just to say something I say in class too, but the reason that this is not like a like rampant problem just to be clear, I, I take it is because people like Zara don't usually breach this kind of contract because that contract was great for them. Yep. So we're in the odd position here of Zara breaching a contract that would have been a loser for Susie. Right. They could have made Susie continue. They to could perform. have made Susie continue to perform and paid Susie a very small amount of money for all that work. But the reason why they didn't do that is because they they have the United States hanging. Presumably, down. yes. And saying like yep. you have to, you have to hurry up, yeah, hurry up and finish this. And so, yep. yeah, so so that's why, of course, when my sort of research assistants and I spent like whatever two whole cycles of casebook revision looking for a better case than this, a simpler case or whatever, more yep. updated case. You don't have that many because you do, in order to get to this position, you do need this kind of weird moment where a party yeah. who can benefit from a contract nonetheless breaches it. Yeah, chooses not to benefit from it. For, chooses and, not to benefit. And you have and the to, much more yeah. the, the much more normal circumstance is Britain, where yep. the party in breach is also the one who wants to proceed on the restitutionary remedy. Yeah. And, and that's more normal. And I think we all understand what that looks like. That looks like it just isn't. We are worried about saying you get nothing at the end of that year. Yep. It just doesn't seem yep. fair. Even if you agreed to it, it doesn't seem fair. Yep. Now, you could you imagine, I mean, in Britain versus Turner, the court says, of course, you could have really specifically agreed to this. And if you had, we would have listened to you. And I've always wondered whether that's true. Like the court says, like the parties can stipulate that they only get paid at the end of the year. They didn't stipulate that. They just said the contract price was paid at the end of the year. I, I mean, I mean, for me, you know, they, but they, yeah. they, they, but the, there's a sense in Britain versus Turner that you can escape restitutionary consequences if you're specifically sufficiently specific here, not because sure. yeah. I'm, I'm not sure that it's true. I'm yeah. not sure it's true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, of yeah. course, it's yeah. not true today, but like, but and here, the, the 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 court doesn't say that because it says you're no longer in the contract plan, and so it doesn't matter what you were in the contract. Even though the even though that clause says you're not filing any claims for damages, how about including restitutionary claims? Yep. The court's not going to care. So, this case has a lot of facts, and yet also has a lot of facts that we wish we knew that we don't know. Yes. And and it has and it has a, a comp this complicated valuation that makes it really hard to get your head around. For what it's worth. I would still say that for all that, it actually fits into the sort of into the restitution schematic that I hope students leave contract that their first semester contracts with, which is you have a losing contract breached by the winner. Mm, right. And those are the cases where you might keep an eye out for restitutionary remedies. Yes. Yeah. I, I think it. 
Yeah, I agree. And, and I think the case is really, it's a fun case if you can abstract it a little bit. I think it's a fun case to think about, for sure. Yep. Yeah. Great. I've got nothing else for it, but um, look forward to our next conversation. Awesome. Thanks, everyone.